The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hashtag no music, no intro. This is our third annual hashtag Saints Twitter podcast that we're doing with the great uh, Tony Pauline of Pro Football Network. Um, if you are kind of a newer fan of the podcast, uh, we did our first episode with Tony Pauline in 2000, <laughs> in 2020, um, three years ago. So this is like, it's every time we do this, our annual episode is kind of like, a cap of our anniversary of Ryan and I starting the podcast. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us, Tony, and, and having having you on. We really appreciate it. Um, and thank you for, you know, helping us kind of recap our our little podcast anniversary. It's it's, it's great to have you on. Outstanding. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be part of history with you guys. I guess. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, Ryan and I love having Tony on. Even before we had Tony on a podcast, we always followed his work. Um, and, you know, Ryan and I have always kind of felt that uh, Tony has great insight into what teams are doing. If you ever listen to to him or just read his his pro day notes, it's it just gives you little tidbits um, of linking teams to certain prospects. He was the first person to really link the Saints to Michael Thomas back in 2018 or sorry, 2016. Um, so right off the bat, I'll start with it's a it's a little different because the Saints have the Broncos pick. They're picking so lo- low in the draft, although I don't know if they'll stay there. I do think there may be some attempts for them to move up. But do you have any either positions uh, of who potentially they may be interested of addressing um, in the draft after doing having a pretty successful offseason in free agency so far? You know, I know they signed two uh, defensive tackles in free agency, Nathan Shepard of the Jets, who they gave a huge amount of money to and Kalen Saunders. But they have been really working the defensive lineman, the interior defensive lineman, hard in the pre-draft process. I know their defensive line, I've, I've uh, reported a couple of times, their defensive line coach been traveling around the nation uh, working these guys off, or working these guys out. So, I mean, where we stand right now, it seems to me like it, it could be a defensive tackle. Ironically, before uh, the combine, when I did a mock draft, I had them take a Mozzie Smith out of uh, Michigan, who's one of my favorite prospects. Um, you know, we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks. But if if I had to, you know, take a gamble right now, or I'm actually I'm going to do a mock draft this weekend, it'll probably be a defensive uh, defensive lineman, interior defensive tackle, despite the fact they signed those two guys in uh, free agency. Tony, what are your thoughts on this class as far as? Um... Edge rusher and D tackle, especially when you get to the kind of middle portions of the draft. Uh, what are your thoughts on this class overall? 
Well, we look at the defensive tackle class. It's not very, it's not very, uh, there's not a lot out there. I mean, you got Jalen Carter at the top and then, you know, he's going to fall a lot further than we initially thought. You, know, you got Brian Brise and then of Clemson, Mozzie Smith of Mich- Michigan, and then it really falls off. I mean, it depends on the type of a defensive tackle that you're looking for. If you're looking for a one-gap guy, you're going to probably go with Kalaji Cansey of Pittsburgh in round two, maybe Zach Pickens of South Carolina. If you want the bigger, you know, space eater, guy like Gervin Dexton of Florida in the second round, uh, Sika Ika of Baylor, more third-round type. I-, I think later on in the draft, you know, you may be able to find a gem there, a, a Nesta Jade Silver, uh, Silvera, I should say, of Arizona State by way of Miami. But you're primarily looking at more, you know, uh, rotational type guys. Uh, the edge class, I, I, you know, obviously at the top, you got Tyree Wilson and Miles Murphy. Uh, as far as, you know, your defensive end types, if you're looking at the outside linebacker types, you know, you, you're talking about Will Anderson and, and Nolan Smith, who I think is more of a complete linebacker, as well as, well as B.J. Ojolari and Will McDonald. I mean, there were some guys later on, especially your 3-4 uh, hybrid outside linebacker pass rushers, Derek Hall of Auburn, Isaiah Foskey of Notre Dame, uh, Nick Hampton of uh, Appalachian State, even much later on, Jose Ramirez of Eastern Michigan, who's going to be a day three pick. Uh, who I think you you can get, but they're more situational pass rushers as opposed to every down players. Think it was. I think it's very interesting. Um, one of the biggest things I think that came out recently is I you you posted your your big board. Um, I believe it was either yesterday or or this weekend. And the thing that stood out to me the most is. Uh, where Kalijah Canty was on your big board, I guess, in relative to, I don't know if you want to call it draft buzz or what have you in terms of after he uh, performed at the Combine. Uh, you do have, uh, 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 I, can't, I can't pronounce it, uh, the, the Northwestern defensive tackle whose, whose name I spent all morning trying to perfect and I still can't pronounce it. He was high, He was higher on on your board. I feel like a lot of Saints fans think that both players won't be there at 29, but just going off your big board, you think potentially there is a chance for, for them both to be available um, at pick 29 or even maybe at 40. You mean at Edomatiba Adaware of Western. He's more affectionately known as Tommy. I met him at the combine and everybody calls him Tommy. You know, I can do Tommy. There you go. <laughs> you know, with Clancy, I, I just don't understand the love for Clancy because I think he's a scheme specific player. Six foot one, 281 pounds. Yeah, he ran a four, six, seven uh, at, at the combine. Good for him. Had that shoulder issue. He's got a labrum issue. He's a smaller guy. He doesn't have great growth potential. He had a lot of production last year and he was terrific on film last year, but he also played with a good defensive line. If you look at that pit defensive line, uh, I mean, they had some terrific players on the edges uh, and on the inside, which kind of helped them and, and, you know, set them up in one-on-one, uh, one-on-one blocking. Now, Edibawari or Tommy from Northwestern, he's almost a full inch taller at six, one and a half. He's a few pounds heavier. And oh yeah, by the way, he ran a four, two, a four, four, nine, uh, 40 rather than a four, six, seven. And he had a great vertical jump. He had a great, you know, he, he's much more athletic. I think the problem for Edibawari was kind of played end in that Northwestern line. And he's more of an interior technique type of guy like Cansey. And the uh, 
the talent on that Northwestern line was fractional compared to what you saw at Pittsburgh. So he was asked to basically, he was the only guy out there. So if you look at the production, you say, yeah, Kansi, Kansi, Kansi. But when you watch the film, you know, you see why Edibawari was at a uh, disadvantage. And the fact is this, I mean, Edibawari was unstoppable during three days of senior world practice. I mean, unstoppable, where for the most part, the offensive line was getting the better of the defensive line. Uh, and then he goes, he has a great combine. Um, I, I don't know that. I think if either guy goes in the first round, it'll be Edibawari of Northwestern over Kansi. I think just Kansi is just too scheme specific. You know, Edibawari, you could probably line up a defensive end in a three-man line in certain one-gap systems. Kansi, I look at as solely a three-technique tackle, which I think is going to reduce his uh, attractiveness on draft weekend. Interesting. Um, and as far as edge, uh, so do you have the, uh, the Texas Tech kid at the top of your board uh, as far as edge goes? Correct, Tyree Wilson. Okay. And, you know, how does that board fall as far as, you know, defensive end or edge once you get into – I'm saying the late first round, but I think if the Saints do target someone, I do think they would trade up, you know, maybe to the mid-rounds. Is there any player you think – that'll be available in the mid rounds that can really be a good edge player and a, you know, maybe a potential starter kind of immediately. Cause the saints really have a huge need on the defensive line, really all across the board. You, mid, you mean mid rounds, not mid first round. I mean, mid first round, mid first round. I'm sorry. I, I mean, mid first round, you know, it's kind of, you know, where do you take Nolan Smith and is Nolan Smith a, uh, are you using him as an edge, which I think is a misuse of him because I think he's such an outstanding, uh, three down the linebacker prospect, it mm-hmm. really falls off. I mean, you know, BJ Ojolari of LSU, are, are you going to use him as an edge rusher in a four, three, or is he a three, four outside linebacker? Eh? It's really a Keon white of uh, Georgia tech. Mm-hmm. You know, is he an edge rusher at six, five, 285 pounds? He's a real good player. He's a darn good player. Uh, I don't think there's any need for them unless somehow, you know, say a Miles Murphy tends to start to fall down the draft boards and they fall in love with him. And I think Miles Murphy of Clemson would be an outstanding uh, fit for them, uh, for them to really make a move up. I mean, last time they made a move up for the, uh, for an edge rusher, it didn't really work out. Oh boy. (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) It, it did not. um, And you, you say that in the, one of the biggest things that Ryan and I was hoping the Saints didn't do this offseason was bringing back Marcus Davenport, which kind of just tells you how we felt um, about him as a, as a player in his tenure uh, with the Saints. Um, I do the sense I do get um, just kind of talking to people who are in know with the team um, that the Saints do want to add an offensive weapon early ish in the draft, whether that be round one, whether that be round two, I know there, there seems to be this, this want to, you know, surround Derek Carr with more, more weapons. Um, I, I can't, I don't, I can't get a sense if it's a, a wide receiver, if it's a tight end, if it's a running back, um, but I get that, that need. Uh, what's your, I guess your, the, the most intriguing player right now for me is I, is Jackson Smith, a Jigba of Ohio state. Um, I know at their, at his pro at, Ohio State's pro day. I know that you reported the Giants and the Saints, you know, met extensively with him. Um, I have an inkling that maybe the team fell in love with him, but obviously he would be way out of their range. Um, What's your opinion on him as a player? Because not this past season, but two seasons ago, 
I felt like he was even a, a better prospect than Chris Olave. And I love Chris Olave as a prospect. Um, this year was kind of very muddled for him. Um, so just, I know a lot of Saints fans are, has, have him on, on, on their mind just in regards to Smith, the Jigba. Yeah. I mean, number one, I don't think he's going to fall down, uh, to them. They're going to have to, if, you know, that'd be a player they have to trade up for. I, I'd be shocked if Smith, the Jigba gets past the 20, 21st pick, uh, mm-hmm. of the draft. I, I, I tend to doubt that uh, he's going to get past the Los Angeles Chargers, which are in di- which is a team in dire need of a wide receiver. Um, I would agree with you. I mean, coming off, getting off the 2021 film, I actually had Smith Najigba rated higher than CJ Stroud um, because mm. he was playing to that 2021. It was so outstanding. And really uh, one of the players who suffered because of Smith Najigba's play in 2021 was the aforementioned Chris Olave because CJ Stroud was not really looking towards Chris Olave. Right. He was looking so much towards Smith Najigba, who, you know, is a terrific receiver. He's not a true vertical threat. I mean, he's not a guy that's going to, you know, he's going to, he's, he's not a Jalen Hyatt type or Jalen Hyatt's having his problems now, but he's much more rounded. He runs tremendous routes. Uh, the footwork and, and the route running that I saw during pro day was absolutely fantastic. You know, Marvin Harrison, if you read my reports, Marvin Harrison was also at that pro day catching passes from CJ Stroud. And you could see a stark difference in the way that, you know, Smith and Jaber would get in and out of his, his routes crisply with speed. He wouldn't lose any momentum. He was always on balance where Marvin Harrison Jr., who everyone believes is going to be a top 12 pick in 2024, would have to throttle it down, would have to gather himself and get in and out of the breaks. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I think that would be an excellent uh, additional target for Derek Carr. Team up with a, a former Ohio State alum in uh, Michael Thomas. And Chris Olave. I mean, you'd have a Buckeye trio there. Uh, I, I think that's something they have to consider. I also think that the need is so great at tight end. And uh, Carr work, has worked well with tight ends in the past that, you know, if they are in love with a guy like a Dalton Kincaid of uh, Utah, a Luke Musgrave of Oregon State, and they really feel that either of those guys are worthy of that selection 29. Um, I think that's also that's also a uh, direction that they would have to look because again, I don't I don't think Smith Najigba really uh, really is going to last that long. Speaking of tight end, it seems like Michael Mayer's uh, quote unquote draft stock has been kind of all over the place. He was considered a pretty highly touted coming out, but now I'm starting to see him kind of slip to the second round and stuff like that. Is that because of the athletic? Like his athletic numbers aren't as, you know, outstanding or eye-popping as others? Well, I mean, he ran a 4.7 at the combine. So, right. uh, I mean, Luke Musgrave ran a, a 4.61. Darnell Washington ran a 4.64. So, uh, he doesn't show himself to be the downfield threat that a Dalton Kincaid of Utah is or Luke Musgrave is. Even a Tucker Craft of South Dakota State, who I really like a lot. Yeah, I, I marriage your traditional, you know, three-down tight end. Uh, third and five, he can run a six uh, a, a six yard flare for you, or he can block for the quarterback. You know, third and two, he can run the four yard route and catch the pass in a crowd, or he can block and help help the uh, running back gain those two yards. He is not the true down. He doesn't present himself as a true downfield threat. I don't. I'd be shocked if he gets in the second round because he is so good at, at you know at everything where you know Dalton Kincaid isn't a bad blocker. But it's not his forte. Luke Musgrave barely blocks. Uh, and I think Michael Mayer does it, uh, does everything so well. 
He's just, he just doesn't have the, you, you talk about athleticism. I say he doesn't have the highlight reel that say a Dalton Kincaid or a Luke Musgrave has. Um, I still think, you know, I have him as tight end one. Uh, he could be tight end three because all the top three guys, Mayor, Kincaid and Musgrave are really bunched close together, uh, closely together on my board. What I I think a lot of uh, since we're just on the topic of tight ends, uh, a lot of Saints fans ha- like this idea of um, potentially drafting Darnell Washington, whether it be twenty nine or forty, uh, and kind of because how good he is as as a blocker. Probably he's a I just in the limited film I saw of him, he came off as a better blocker than an actual like receiving tight end prospect. Um, obviously, Brock. Brock Bowers has a lot to do with that and a lot of weapons that Stenson Bennett had. Um, what's your your opinion of him as as a as a player in this tight end class? Because the tight end class in this draft appears to be uh, a much better group of players than, say, the wide receiver class in the limited film I've watched this season. Yeah, it's deeper. That, that's for sure. And I think there are more potential stars. As far as Darnell Washington's concerned, I wouldn't take him in the first round. I mean, he is sort of Michael Mayer. Michael Marish in the sense that, you know, he is a, an offensive tackle size player playing the tight end position. Right. He was 64 at the combine. But as I had reported early on, uh, after that championship game against TCU, when he went initially went to combine training, he was 280 pounds and they got him down to 264. Oh. And, you know, he moves incredibly well. He is a good pass catcher. But the thing is, he's not a fast guy. I, I mean, if you're saying that Michael, even though he ran the 40 slightly faster than Michael Mayer uh, at the combine, he doesn't play it like that. He plays like a big lumbering guy uh, who was really not not effective more than eight or 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. The yes. thing is, he's six, six and a half. You know, he, he's like a he, he's like a really big power forward on the football field and that people will be jumping on his back. He'll still make the reception. But he's not going to make those catches, you know, twenty yards down the field for you. So you're going to have that. You're going to have to have that sort of offense where you're not relying on your tight ends to get into the secondary, you know, to create those mismatches uh, for you to like Darnell Washington. I think you know he obviously is a legitimate next level player. He does have the speed limitations. He does have quickness limitations. You're just going to have to design. You don't have to design your system around it, but you're going to have to know that there are limitations, you know, as to what you're going to do. There's going to be the positives where if it's third and short, you put him on the line of scrimmage, he's going to be like a sixth offensive lineman. Or if it's third and three and you throw him the ball in the middle of a crowd, he'll go up and get it. But you're not going to get the 20, 25-yard play down the field from him on a consistent basis. Kind of switching gears to quarterbacks. Um, it was reported earlier this week that the Saints uh, were bringing in Hendon Hooker on you know one of their visits. Um so, it, you know, it kind of sparked a big debate on, you know, if he's there at 29, should the Saints take him, even though they, you know, just paid Derek Carr a bunch of money. Um, I, I I like, I mean, there are things I like about Hendon Hooker, and there's some things I do kind of wonder about, you know, his age, kind of coming from a simplistic offense, um, very little drop back, you know, with the age, how long will it take with the injury? How long will it take for him to kind of get in the groove? Uh, you, you know, you got you, you should have a bit of maturity in life as, as far as that's concerned. And, you know, we've seen quarterbacks play well into their 30s and be productive. I mean, Derek Carr is what, 32 years old now? And uh, look what the Saints just signed him to. So the age really doesn't bother me. As far as Hendon Hooker is concerned, 
<clears throat> he is my third rated quarterback. He's always been my third rated quarterback. I mm. had him ahead of Anthony Richardson and, and Will Levis. Uh, and you look at Hendon Hooker. I mean, he played better in 2021 than he did in 2020 when he was at Virginia Tech. He played better in 2022 last year at Tennessee than he did in 2021. And he did a lot of great things at Tennessee. They beat Alabama, if you remember. And he had that program really going in the right direction with a brand new coach before he, he hurt his knee. And I really think that the knee injury in the long term is beneficial to him because he's going to have to sit on the sidelines and observe and absorb what's going on. He's not going to be put in a position where he's going to be thrown on the field and asked as a rookie to carry a, you know, a, a team on Sunday. Uh, so I, I like everything about Hendon Hooker. I like his play. I like the fact that he's going to have to basically sit on the sidelines. I, I don't know. You know, I think he's more of a second round pick. Uh, I think the, way, the only way he ends up in the first round is if, if a team at the top of round two wants to get a quarterback and they trade back up into round one. As far as the Saints are concerned, I mean, good for the Saints for doing their dil- due diligence. I'd be surprised if they take a quarterback within the first uh, two rounds, maybe first three rounds, based off of the money that they just gave Derek Carr. Yeah, it's something I'd be absolutely shocked about if they if they went that route. But I, I am very curious of like how much of it the draft buzz and maybe this is kind of maybe agent based the last couple of weeks. There's like this huge like Hendon Hooker is going to go round one. He may go top 10, top 15. Is there is there a legitimate belief in the league that he could be drafted that high potentially? No, not that I've heard. I mean, right. it was Mike Tannenbaum who said, I think he said that the uh the Seahawks are going to take him with the fifth pick of the draft. I, you know, I, I don't see him as a top 20 selection. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, there's value, say, getting him late in the first round because you get that fifth-year option on him. So I understand that. Uh, but but if you're taking a guy, you know, in the top 12 picks, top 15 picks, you expect him to start as a rookie and you expect him to, you know, produce for you as a rookie. Hendon Hooker's not going to be able to do that by virtue of his knee injury, which is what – but I, I, I think that knee injury will lend to – uh, some good things for him, some beneficial for, things for him, you know, two, three years down the road, because he's not going to be able to start as a rookie. One, one question we got from, from our listeners, uh, one of our, or one of our good friends um, in our discord community, his name's David. He has a, a man crush on Josh Downs. Um, <laughs> I, I, I watch a little of him. I see, I, I see the in like infatuation with him, but I keep coming back to like he is so ridiculously small um at that position. And I feel like maybe it's just, you know, past experience. Like I felt like I got burned with the uh, Tavon Austin back in the day. Had loved him as a prospect. That didn't work out. So maybe I'm projecting that on Josh Downs. Uh how, how do you view him um as a prospect? And do you see his size as being um something that's going to push him down draft boards. You mean Tavon Austin of West Virginia? Yes. Yeah, well, Tavon Austin of West Virginia was a top 12 pick. And, you know, no one's projecting Josh Downs as a top 12 pick, never mind a first-round pick. Uh, you know, I, I think it's actually would be a pretty good fit because of the fact that you've got a big, you know, you got a bigger receiver there in Michael Thomas. you got a nice size receiver there in uh, Chris Olave. So a guy like Downs, you could line up in the slot and use him as a return specialist. And you're going to take him. He's not going to go first round. I have him as a second rounder. 
So, you know, you could potentially take him somewhere in the second round area if you really feel that strongly about him. Uh, he's got decent vertical speed, uh, catches the ball very well. The size is, or the lack of size is an issue. You're just going to have to, you know, do things where you line him up in the slot, you line him up off the line of scrimmage, and you get him away from press coverage, you know, to get a free uh, free and clear uh, release from the, from the line. Um, but I, I think in this case, I, you know, I understand, you know, what you're saying about Taven Austin. I was never in the Taven Austin camp, even though for the longest time they said the New York Jets or the Jets here in New York where I'm at, we're going to, we're targeting him. Uh, but again, it's a different situation because Austin was selected so early and was expected to produce, you know, and a lot was put on his shoulders and he was never that type of player. Never mind the fact that he came, you know, he played for West Virginia, which I don't remember was the big 12 or the big East at the time. Uh, but it wasn't wasn't you know really that great of conference. Ryan, it's time to tell the listeners a secret. Yo, this the infamous picture of you going viral on social media, sweating in the white shirt, mm. looking confused. What people don't know is before that picture was taken, you had just mowed the lawn in the hot New Orleans heat. Yep, sweating. Don't know about you, but if you want to avoid becoming a meme and avoid becoming a viral hit on social media. I think instead of you mowing the lawn, there's a company out there that got you covered. That is ground up landscaping services. They service the greater New Orleans area. We've seen their work in person at the hashtag Saints for the podcast meetup. The backyard area was outstanding. Yeah, we know we know the owner of this company. He's an outstanding person, a really good dude. And look, I've seen pictures of his work all done all around New Orleans. Beautiful work. Everything he takes care of, him and his crew, and he's good, honest, and on time. Uh, if you want to visit them, visit www.groundupnola.com, and you get the book of free quote. And these guys are licensed and insured, so this is not some, you know, shade tree. You know, guy to come cut your grass. These are dependable business business professionals that will take care of your lawn. And they do beautiful work that you can check out on their Instagram and Facebook. They'll make your garden space spectacular from the ground up. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. In another position, the Saints, you know, we're kind of hoping that they focus on is the running back position. Um, there's a ton of running backs in this draft. Where do you think the run begins? I know B. John Robinson is kind of considered the first one to go. Some people think you go in the mid-first round. But then after that, it's like, where does this thing start? Do you think it's more of a second to third round run? 
where both of these, you know, top level running backs go? Yeah, I I think second, third, fourth, and even fifth round, you'll have a lot of running backs come off the draft, uh, come off the board, and, and you know. There will be a lot of good backs. It depends on what you want. I mean, Zach Charbonnet of UCLA is my third-rated back, and you know he plays got plays with a violent style. He plays with a uh, old-school sort of mentality where he'll run over defenders, but he's also got tremendous short area quickness and the ability to bounce around defenders and create yardage. Plus, he's an exceptional pass catcher out of the backfield. And then if you want the smaller creative back, you're looking at Tajay Spears of Tulane, who I think is ridiculously underrated. Uh, a Devin Aiken of uh, Texas A&M who, you know, creates his own yards and has got very, is very explosive. You know, later on, you got guys like an Evan Hull of Northwestern, who I think is going to be a real good back at the next level, ran much faster at the combine than people thought. He's a tough ball carrier, also also catches the ball well. I, I think there'll be a lot of good backs in rounds two, three, four, and even five. It's just a matter of what type of running back are you looking for? Are you looking for that creative ball carrier? Are you looking for the guy that's uh, going to grind it out on the inside? Are you looking for a little bit of both? And obviously, you know, in this day and age, you want somebody that can catch the ball in the backfield. With that said, speaking of running backs, um, one of one of my few few prospects um, that I really feel is a is like I have one of my like my my draft crush as I usually refer it to year in and year out is is Gibbs from from Alabama. Um, it. What's interesting to me is just finding a place in a team that would potentially draft him in the first round. Do you do you get a sense that he is going round one um, somewhere in, in the draft? I personally love Jameer Gibbs. He's my number two rated back. I mean, I love his speed. I love his creativity. I, exceptional pass catch out of the backfield. Not the biggest guy in the world. So, you know, third and short, you're not going to hand them the ball uh, in those goal line situations. Uh, I think in my first mock draft, I had him going to the Eagles with their second pick, the 30th pick. I, I you know I, I think it all depends oh. on how, how early B. John Robinson goes. Ryan's little, oh, just was, was perfect. Um, if uh, B. John Robinson goes earlier than expected, you could see uh, Jameer Gibbs land in the late part of round one. Otherwise, I think he'll be off the board the early part of round two. Now you got to okay. tell me what you were laughing at. Well, just the, the Eagles, Gibbs going to Eagles. That just makes my stomach hurt. I just <laughs> I would love him for the Saints. I would hate for him to go to the Eagles. But another another prospect that keeps coming up, I've been hearing this kid's name. Uh, I think I retweeted a tweet from the 33rd team that talked about Doreen Thompson-Robinson. I've written about him. I've also done the show that I do with Trey Wingle. Two weeks ago, I, I talked about him. Doreen Thompson Robinson is on best football two years earlier than when he entered the draft because oftentimes those guys are never able to get it back. So Doreen Thompson Robinson, I I mean, he is, it's, I think it's a disservice to call him an RPO quarterback, yet he is a guy who is lethal carrying the ball. He's got the speed, he's got the explosion, he's got the ability to to multi-cut and, you know, carry the ball almost like a, a running back would. And he's a terrific passer. He's a developing passer. He's got a great arm. Uh, He can make all the throws. I like the way he showed much better pocket poise last year, and he did a great job reading the uh, field. Uh, We actually interviewed him at the the, uh, Shrine Bowl at length. And, you know, I I can understand why he comes off as aloof to some people. But when you really speak to him, you you know, you know that he's he's an intellectual guy. He's very thoughtful. 
you know, he, he thinks before he speaks. And I was very, he's, he's actually an artist, he told us. Oh. Uh, and, and I was actually very impressed with him. And when I watched the film, I was like, wow. I, I mean, I can understand why, why more and more people like him. And I was told at the Combine, somebody said to me, he's going to go day two. And I was like, ah, oh, that's a load of crap. There's no way he's going to go in the second round. He's going to go day two. There's not, that's not going to happen. But then somebody from UCLA, who was at UCLA Pro Day, says, you know what? Dorian Thompson Robinson is going to be the best value at the quarterback position because somebody's going to grab him late in round three, early in round four. They're not going to need him to start right away. He's got yeah. great tools. He's got great upside. And he's going to be drafted likely by a team that, uh, you know, needs a quarterback two or three years down the line. And he's going to be allowed to, uh, you know, allowed to develop. And the team that keeps coming up is actually the Minnesota Vikings. I posted that this morning or I retweeted that this morning uh, yeah. on Twitter seem to gain, gain a lot of steam. So, yeah, there's a lot there to like with Dorian Thompson-Robinson. And I was a detractor. I was like, ah, this is just a guy who's a running back trying to play the quarterback position. And when I watched the film, after I talked to him, after I watched him at the Shrine game, and after I watched the film, I was like, ah, I was my initial uh, opinion on him was wrong. Uh, really got to change that because, you know, he has got a lot of ability as a passer. Interesting. Yeah, I I live in LA um, and saw a lot of you know a lot of a lot of few of his games being being that he is in uh, UCLA. So uh, was he's a project, but as, just if you just watch the games like you said and watch his tape, you can absolutely see the appeal and the uh, the traits that that is very desirable um, in the NFL. The last the last you know, question. Let me, I, you know, let me just let me just say that you know, and, and I agree with you. He's a project, but he's a project that you're going to take with the, in the third or fourth round. You know what? Right. Anthony Richardson is also a project, but yes. he's, going to taking, he's going to be selected <laughs> with the third or fourth pick. I mean, so, you, you know, uh, you understand what, um, you know, what, what, when, when the guy, when I was told that, you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson could be the best value in the draft, uh, value at the quarterback position in the draft. Can, can you, I guess something that Ryan and I, obviously we haven't been in the draft game as long as you have, but we've been huge draft Knicks for 10 plus 15 plus years this the anthony richardson rise is one of the most fascinating things i've seen this draft cycle in quite a long time um just in the terms of a prospect if you just potentially go by his tape at at best even with all his traits and being an insane athlete (laughs) you're thinking like late round one Okay, hang on a second. Hang on a second. We lost you there, or at least I lost you. I I heard you yeah. about draft Nick, and then you said Anthony, and it sounded like you were going to say Richardson, and then go into something, and I didn't hear a word of that. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. There's been sorry connection issues. My internet's being dumb this morning. Uh, Ryan will will can can edit it. It's fine. Um, just Anthony Richardson being a prospect that after he finished at Florida even with his traits at most, if you're being just completely unbiased, he was more like a late first round pick. They are round, round two pick. So seeing this, like more like just this skyrocket. And now he's probably a lot to be top five where I just, I, it's just, it's baffling to us. And just, can you walk us through like how we've gotten here? You and me, brother. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> Uh, you know, what happens is this, um, and I, I agree with you. I, I've said all along that, you know, he's just, he's got so much of a bus factor. I wouldn't take him before the third round, but what happens is, especially in the lead up to the draft is the coaches, 
start to get involved. And in the scouting uh, community, what they usually do is they will look at what a guy does well. And when you're looking at Anthony Richardson, you're looking at an incredible athlete with a huge arm that can make all the throws. And coaches say, well, listen, we have this guy who's six, four and a half. He's 235 pounds. He runs a four, four and a 40. He can jump through the roof and he can throw the ball a country mile. We're going to teach him to read defenses. We're going to teach him to throw the touch passes. We're going to teach him pocket poise. You know, he has all these great traits and we're going to teach him to be a passer. What boggles my mind is you look at history, especially the history of the quarterback position hasn't worked out like that. You know, they take these big arm throwers and these guys completely bust. I mean, completely bust. And you look at Anthony Richardson. I mean, he doesn't have a big body of work. He was never a great quarterback at Florida. I mean, heck, they lost to Vanderbilt last year. And, you know, they they got pummeled by uh, Florida State and he completed 30% of his passes. But what a Frank Reich, who really likes Anthony Richardson, is looking at is he's got this big guy who can play in or outside the pocket, can pick up yards with his legs, can get the ball, you know, 50 yards downfield with a flick of his wrist, you know, and he's got all these great physical traits. And the coaches, whether it be Frank Reich or whoever, or say, well, you know what? We're going to teach this guy to be a great quarterback because he's got all these incredible traits and all these physical skills that we can work with. You know, that's what football coaches do. They coach football. And that's why you see a guy like Anthony Richardson make such a meteoric rise, you know, to the top of the draft. I agree with you. I, I mean, and history has proven, you know, people like you and I, right. You know, they keep reaching for these quarterbacks. Uh, Jameis Winston, right? I mean, Jameis Winston, you know, never came close to exceed to a meeting expectations. Uh, and we can go on and on and on. Going back to the days of Ryan Leaf, there were people who thought that Ryan Leaf was a better quarterback prospect than Peyton Manning because of his arm strength. And, and that turned out to be a complete disaster. Uh, but what they're looking at is they're looking at the physical traits and like, you know what? We are going to teach this guy to be a quarterback. We're going to teach him to be an NFL passer. And at the quarterback position, it's usually boom or bust. Yeah. Yeah. That, that kind of boggled my mind. And it, it's just funny. We, like me and Adam, we would talk about it. Like somebody like Will Levis, you know, he would have been like a, he was like your quintessential pick, like top quarterback, like maybe 10, 15 years ago, you know, just kind of that, tall, statuesque quarterback, throw from the pocket, big arm. And now it's like, I don't know where he goes in this draft. I'm like, I don't know, I don't know where he falls. Like, it, it seems like he's falling, but I don't know where. Well, I mean, you know, it's sort of like the conversation we had earlier about Michael Mayer at the tight end position. You know, Michael Mayer, yeah. you know, 20 years ago is, is a top 15 pick. Bijan Robinson, 20, 25 mm-hmm. years ago, is in consideration to be a top five pick. I think it's yeah. a little bit different with Will Levis, though. I think Will Levis is... He's got a big arm and, you know, he's more than happy to, you know, showcase that big arm at at the expense of being able to make the underneath passes with touch Mm. and and place the ball. And, you know, we, we, you see him in the, uh, the, at the combine, you see him at the pro day, you see this muscle bound guy, which is not a good thing. I mean, teams think that he's a little bit stiff. He's a little bit tight, too tight. But what you don't see is, you know, the, the fact that he struggles reading defenses, you know, the fact that, yeah, he can throw the ball 85 yards, but, you know, oftentimes he's way off the mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, I mean, Will Levis is my fifth rated quarterback uh, after uh, your top two guys, Stroud and Bryce Young, after Hendon Hooker, after Anthony Richardson, then Will Levis. And I think Will Levis is sort of a another version of uh 
of Anthony Richardson in that he's going to be overdrafted. I think, you know, I, I, I think when you look, you know, at the middle part of round one, Washington, uh, even uh, if he makes it down to Tampa, I, I think that's really a good spot for uh, Will Levis. I am not sold on the fact that if three quarterbacks go, if a team trades up with the Arizona Cardinals to secure Anthony Richardson, I, I don't know that uh, the Indianapolis Colts are going to take uh, Will Levis w- with that fourth pick. One draft th- thing that can happen on draft night that could be surprising, whether it be round one, round, you know, day two, just one draft thing that may happen that's going to surprise people. Mm, that's a good one. Um, you know, bottom of round one, we talked about Edibawari uh, potentially going bottom of round one. I think uh, Will McDonald going the bottom of round one could happen. I think two guys that everyone is mocking as first-rounders, Cam Smith, the cornerback from South Carolina, and Jalen Hyatt, the wide receiver from Tennessee, I think there's a chance that both of those guys fall out of the first round. In fact, I'm willing to say that there's uh, it's about a a 10% chance right now that Cam Smith, the corner from South Carolina, who is highly rated, uh, in the early portion, I, I would be surprised if he goes in the first round. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, uh, that, that, that's all I got. Adam, you had anything else? No, I don't. And even if I did, I don't think my internet was going to let me right now. So uh, <laughs> thank you so much, Tony. Uh, we really appreciate it uh, for giving us so much of your time. Uh, make sure you follow Tony on Twitter at Tony Pauline. Uh, check out all his work, his pro day write-ups. His, his big board is out at Pro Football Network. Thank you so much, Tony. We greatly appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me, and I'll speak with you guys next year. All right. Thank you, thank you, Tony. Have a good one. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.